Happy New Year. Man, so excited to be uh, together for this uh, the start of the new year and all the fun stuff that I'm sure is going to happen in your life in 2019. And uh, man, I hope you had a great Christmas and that, you know, you're, as your kids wrecked your house, you're putting it back together slowly, sending them back to school. Praise the Lord. Amen. Right now. And uh, man, so excited to do that. We're going to kick off a new series of teachings over the next few weeks. Uh, uh, called Kingdom Come, and we're going to walk through the kingdom of God and, and how it's uh, making its way onto earth here, and, and, and we're bumping into it all over the place. And so grab, a, grab your Bible that was on your seats and go to Matthew chapter 13, it's page number 811. Um, you can follow along on your phone or you know that stuff too. Uh, but Matthew 13, uh, we're going to be there. We're going to get there in a little bit. we got a little bit of an on-ramp before we get there. Um, and hey, while you're turning there, I do want to just encourage you that if you're you new or you're connecting or you haven't fully connected yet in the community covenant, the life of our church, um, man, we'd love, there's two different ways you can do that. One is the growth track that's starting next week. Uh, man, we'd love for you to register for that. We'd love to get to meet you and, and get you onboarded and so that you can learn how to grow here at Community Covenant. That's going to be on the next two Sundays um, here at the church. And then uh, well, also the community groups that are out there. Uh, man, it's just so many different ways. And, and really for our church, the life of our church, it, you won't experience the full life of our church until you get plugged into a community group. Um, that's where you experience care, you know, pastoral care. That's where you experience connection with other people and growth. Um, you know, there's only a few staff members and a, full, you know, a few hundred people. And so the best way to connect with people and, and grow and, and, and receive the care you need is really in a group. And so we'd love for you to register for that, connect with that, so that we can con- all continue to grow together in 2019. Um, so it'd be a lot of fun. Good? Yeah? Record attendance this year, right? Come on now. All right. Sweet. No, okay. We were not, probably not going to receive. Based off that response, Not won't be record attendance. But we'll get there sooner than later. Anyway. So let's, uh, let's kick this off. So have you ever noticed um, that the, the, the life of Christ sometimes gets skipped over? Um, you have the birth of Christ in Christmas and the coming of Christ, and, and he's coming and he's, and he's announcing the, the good news um, of all things, uh, of, of his message and announcing the good news of the kingdom. And then there's like a 33-year period that most scholars believe that he lived, and then we go right to the death and resurrection during, the, during Lent and Easter. And many times, we, we actually skip right over it. In fact, if you grew up in church or grew up in any sort of, going to any sort of a gathering, uh, you probably at some point maybe said the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. Even when you look at the creeds, they skip over the life of Christ. They just kind of go right from his birth to his suffering under Pontius Pilate. And it's, and it's, and it's this movement that just skips over uh, 33 years. And in and, and, and this season of, uh, you know, of the year, we really want to focus on what his life was about, what his teachings were about. But he just skips over. And in fact, if you think about it, uh, we don't really see him come onto the scene until he's about 30. And in, the, in, the, in that time, the, you know, the first century, that's really when you know, a season of impact, your season of influence would begin when you were 30 years old. And, and the, the first 30 years of his life was, really goes lar- like largely unrecorded. And he's just doing normal things. He's like 90% of his life goes unseen, 10% you see, and you begin to see the, this, this massive impact take place. But, but largely it was connected. So when we ask, you've got to ask the question, what was the point of Jesus' life, right? What, what, what did he come to do? Like, why did he come in the first place? And there's actually a few passages that, that let us know what the answer is. Uh, and we might have all different answers to that question, why Jesus came, but, but, but really the scriptures teach us why. And the first one here you can see is Matthew 4, where he says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven 
is near. Mark chapter 1 talks about it as well. It says, Jesus went to Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. And then lastly, in, in Luke chapter 4, it says, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they, be, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So the point of Jesus' life was to preach and announce the good news that God's kingdom has come. God's kingdom has come. There's all sorts of things that get packed into that announcement. But the overall announcement to you today is that, that you can live a whole new way of life as a citizen of God's kingdom. And that when you live this way, when you live the way of, of Jesus in the kingdom of God, you are actually living the way that you were originally created to live. And that you, were, you, you are actually living the way God intended for you to live when he planned your life before the foundations of the earth. Now, you, you don't often hear that, you know, all sorts of new things, you know, gym memberships are on sale right now and diets, they're all making up all sorts of new diets right now. They're all trying to get your attention of ways that they can change your life. But they've, no one's ever announced to you that you could live the way that you were originally created to live if you live this way. And I think that when you look at, when you look at this whole story, the, the Jesus' announcement, that you can actually live a whole new way of life right here in the midst of this one, because of Jesus, and when you live in his kingdom and as a citizen of his kingdom, it's actually the way that you were created to live. Now, why is this important, right? Like, okay, you're going to give me a New Year's you know, type of message. But, but, but the reason why this is important is because many of you right now, you're going to look at 2019, or maybe you're just looking at the quarter or just the month, or Lord help us, just today. Come on now, somebody, let's be honest in church. And, and, uh, and, and we're looking at it, and we're trying to think, what can we do to have the best impact? Or, or what should we do in order to make 2019 the best year ever? And perhaps in light of this announcement that God's kingdom has come and, and, and you can live this whole new way of life right here now today uh, as a citizen of God's kingdom, we shouldn't be asking the question, what should I do, but who should I become? Not really. So when you look at 2019, who do you want to be in 2019? At the end of 2019, December, who do you want to be versus looking at, here's all my list of accomplishments versus this is who God made me this year. Who should I, become? because here's what I know, when you look at the New Testament, you look at the teachings of Jesus, when you look at the life that Christ lived, he cares way more about who you're becoming than what you're doing. In fact, when you look at the stories of Jesus, when you look at his teachings, he says what you do is a direct result of who you are. And when you are the person that God created you to be, you will do the things that Jesus wants you to do. You will do the things that Jesus has asked of you, but many times we skip right to the doing and we skip the being. In fact, sometimes even in your turbulent seasons of your life, what do you do? You get together with a counselor or a mentor or a friend or something like that. You lay out all the stuff that's going on in your life and you ask the question, what's the next question that you ask? What should I do next? But we're skipping over a major part of who am I? Who am I? And so the announcement of Jesus, the whole point of his life is to announce to you that you can live life, that you can literally experience your entire existence, your entire eternity within the kingdom of God. 
And that way of life is the way that you were created, intended to live life. It was the way that God planned for you before the foundations of the world. And so uh, when, when you're interacting with that type of announcement, you've got to ask a few questions, right? The first one is, well, if that's, the, if that's the case, he came to announce the kingdom, what is the kingdom, right? I'm glad you're asking that question. You came into church today asking that question. I'm so glad. It's written in your journal somewhere. So awesome. Um, we're going to have a fun time today. Um, or then we have to ask the question, if, what is the kingdom? The next question we have to ask is, well, what is this kingdom like? What type of kingdom is he inviting us into? That's fine and all. He gave us, like, he created for us. He made an announcement that we can live life in his kingdom. But, what, but I need to know what type of kingdom it is before we go there. And that's really what this series is going to be about, the different aspects, the type of kingdom God is inviting you to live life in. And then lastly, how do I experience the kingdom? What is, what is, how do I center my life on the kingdom of God? And how do I continue to experience it day after day after day? Man, I'm so glad you asked those thought-provoking questions the way that you did. All right, so we're going to ask that. For, what, number one, what is the kingdom of God? Now, like the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they make, they're making this announcement that Jesus is king. That's, that's their major announcement to all these different audiences. They said there's a new king, there's a new empire. It's Jesus and the kingdom of God. And, and there's different ways that they call it. It's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, heaven they call it sometimes. And, and it's just these major different, like a bunch of different ways of talking about the same Thing. And the reason why I think we get, you know, kind of get confused about the kingdom of God is because we, all, we come with our own preconceived notions, our own preconceived concepts of what the kingdom of God is. And so one way, that, that this is kind of a major way that many of us might see it. If you go to this graph here, everyone loves graphs, right? Everyone loves little, uh, you know, images. But some of us might see it this way. You know, we got heaven that's up, right? And the earth that's down, Thank you. I'll be here all year, right? This is really mind-blowing stuff, right? Heaven that's up and earth that's down. And, and if, we, if we believe that Jesus is Lord and everything, and we have faith that he um, is, is doing what he's doing and that he died on the, died on the cross and resurrected, if we believe that, that one day we're going to get to spend eternity with him in heaven and we're going to go there. Now, that's part of the story, a massively important part of the story, but that's not the whole story. And then some of us might believe, well, well, like if we do the right things, we live the right way in the kingdom, we're going to be able to see earth differently. And so we're going to see this reordering of the world and this reordering of people and places all over the place. And so we see more of heaven, kind of like we're trying to serve out what it means. And so some of us might have this idea of like, okay, well, we're here until we're not, right? We're citizens of another place and heaven's going to come soon one day and we'll go there. And then others, we believe, well, you know, we got to serve well here and we got to care about the justice of the world and the justice of people. And, and both of those are parts of the story, but they're not the whole story. The kingdom is not just, um, is not, is not a, away from you, like some sort of outside place. It's, it's actually some, something different. And there's another picture, and I think we have to really begin to wrestle with this type of an image in order for us to understand what the kingdom of God is in our life. And, and this is like a real American kind of Western way of seeing things. And this other way is really kind of a, like a you know, Hebrew sort of Eastern way. That's what makes it kind of difficult for us. But this next image is really what I think the, the scriptures are teaching us, is that heaven is not just this, this, out, this place that you get to go, like that's in the sky and you have to send really far somewhere. No, and, and earth is down below. But, but heaven is a reality. It's the place where God is. 
Heaven is the place where all things are as God intended them to be. It's the realm of God. And you're going to see in the New Testament that the, the realm of God is actually experienced today. It's not something that you just have to wait until uh, you die or is, uh, there's, you know, then, then that's going to happen. We're going to, be in the, the, uh, we're going to be in heaven. But it's something that's actually experienced Today, when you look at Revelation 21, there's no tears and no pain. There's actually an, ex- a, an aspect of that resurrection that we get to experience here today. When you look at 1 Corinthians 13, it says that uh, 13 and 14, you see that, that we, are, we see through a glass dimly. We're experiencing aspects of heaven today, but we won't be fully realizing and fully experiencing all that heaven is until Jesus returns. Are we, are we tracking so far? So we have the realm of God, heaven, and then the earth is where we're at, and it's actually intersecting. Upon Jesus' resurrection and the the curtain splitting on the cross, we actually opened up to us the realm of God, where where it's experienced already, but it's not yet fully realized. And so the kingdom of heaven, this announcement for you that you can, that you can live a whole new way of life is, is actually uh, as, a, as part of a, something you can real, that you can experience today. And so it's not just this idea where you get to go to heaven one day and we're here now with heaven's later, right? It's almost like you're just kind of in, a, in the waiting room of a Denny's, wait, you know, just kind of like we're just in, we're waiting to die, right? That's kind of the, the, the concept. Or we just kind of are engaging in earth and this is kind of all there is. And no, there's a, there's a marrying of the two. And so here's what Jesus teaches that the kingdom is uh, within our life in Luke 17. If you go to that next slide there, uh, Audrey says this, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. We gotta just kind of settle on that, right? The place where God is, the place where all things are as God intends them to be, can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is within you. Some other translations, they say it's in our midst or it's among. But the same concept is this, that, that it's not some distant reality, like it's just the reordering of social structures. And it's not a place that you go when you die, although that's part of the story. But it's a reality that's within you right now. You know, the other mind-boggling part about Luke 17 is that he doesn't qualify it. He doesn't say, it's within you if you believe all the right stuff. You know, there's actually churches that say, it's within you if you actually do the right sacraments, right? If you, if you, exp- if you expense it or withdraw it, it's like grace is a big bank account, and you begin to expense it and, and withdraw it when you need it. No, no, no. He said, it's within you now, right now. It's within you. Because built within all humans, all people, all of us, is the image of God. Built within you, and then what sin did, when sin, was ent- when sin entered the world, it broke the image of God. So reverberating within you is this concept of home, but I'm not there yet. It's this concept that, we're, that there's something, we, we're, we're, we're meant for something, we belong somewhere. So we begin to see different things and, and our heart begins to race and our soul begins to get excited because that's actually what you were created for. You are created to be in relationship with God, to walk with him and to live life according to the way he created you to live. 
And that's the image of God like trying to make its way into the surface of your life. It's like built within you in, a, in your wiring. And so he doesn't qualify. He just says, for it's within you now. It's amongst you now, right here. And so, and so really, there's, instead of seeing it in all these different ways, we have to see it in these three concepts. There's the reality of the kingdom. The reality of the kingdom, which is that next slide, Audrey, uh, the, the, the reality of the kingdom is that new life can happen right here in the midst of this one, today. Now, heaven is in our midst. God is here. And then you have the results of the kingdom, which is the restoration of people and places. That's not the kingdom, that's the result of the kingdom working its way out into your life. Are we tracking so far? And then you have the reward of the kingdom is not a better life. It's not all the things that you pray for. It's not all of those aspects of what we're hoping and dreaming of. It's Jesus. Now and forever. It's Jesus now and for eternity. We don't have to wait until we die to experience heaven, and we don't have to wait, uh, we don't, and it's not just the restoration of things around us, it's both. Now and forever, the gift, the reward of the kingdom is Jesus. May he be all that our heart desires. May he be the contentment that we desire, that we long for. May, be, may he be the home that we find our, for our journey. And so the reality of the kingdom, you can have new life right now here in the midst of this one. You can see the restoration of people and places around you because as the kingdom makes its way to the surface of your life, you begin to see all sorts of things happen. And at the end of the day, when we sit back and reward, it's not the life that we want, it's not the prayers that we pray, but it's Jesus. That's the reward. That's who you get. That's what you get when you follow Jesus. And so we have to ask the question, what's the, what's the kingdom? The announcement that the kingdom, you can live life the way that he created you to live. It's this reality that you can live life right now the way he planned for you before the, the, the foundations of the world. And the next thing, well, okay, that's fine. Well, what type of kingdom is this, right? And Jesus, what's so frustrating to my, this is so frustrating to me as just a Western American, is that Jesus never, never directly says what the, this is what the kingdom is. He always dis- directs and discusses, uh, he points to the realities of the kingdom through things called parables. Parables are, are these stories, that, the kind of images, the illustrations of the kingdom. He doesn't say, okay, well, that's the kingdom over there, or here's the kingdom over there. You experience the kingdom in your life, and here's what it's like. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to go look through these parables to see what, is this, what type of kingdom are we being invited to live? What was the, if the point of Jesus' life was to announce that you can live life as a, a new way of life as a citizen of God's kingdom, we're going to be able to see what type of kingdom we're being invited into. But here's what I love. Here's, what I think Jesus, here's why I think Jesus teaches in parables. He teaches in parables because he wants us to get back to the core of what it means to follow him, but the core of what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom, and that's a a simplicity of our faith. It's a simplicity of our faith. Look at what he says here in Matthew 18, verse 1. He says, at about the same time, the disciples came to Jesus asking, who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? 
That, that's not the most selfish question that you've ever heard in your life, right? For an answer, Jesus called over, for an answer, Jesus called over a child whom he stood in the middle of the room and said, I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. How fascinating is that, right? Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive the child, like on my account, it's the same as receiving me. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again. That's how you get a look and experience God's kingdom. And I love watching my kids because I, I think about this verse when I watch my kids play, when I watch my kids interact, when I watch my kids just make a crazy mess out of everything, right? Because you see the simple and elemental again. This is the invitation for you today. Regardless of what your church background is, regardless of all the baggage, that, regardless of all like the, I'm trying to keep everything straight, I'm trying to answer all the right questions, I'm trying to get it to be the best way ever, and, and he's just simply inviting you to be simple and elemental again. If, if you use email at work, it might be like the idea of starting off the new year with control A, delete. Have anyone done this before? Right, you got a full inbox, you select all of it and delete it. Right? So that's, like, that's kind of what Jesus is inviting us into. Like, I don't know what conversations I just deleted. I'm sure they're going to get back to me if they really need an answer or something like that. Has anyone ever done something like that? That's just, I invite, I invite you to go try that this week. It's the most amazing feeling in the world. Go find a closet in your house and just throw everything out. Right? It's an amazing thing. Sometimes I, one time, <laughs> this kind of makes Connie mad, but, but sometimes when I get really, when I get really kind of stressed, whatever, I like to, I just clean some stuff out. And one time we were living in Pennsylvania and I went to our, everyone has a junk drawer, right? Or maybe four, right? Everyone's got one of those. And I just went and I dumped it all out, right? And she came home looking for a pen and I was like, oh, I threw them all out. <laughs> I just, she's like, we need pens in the house, Brandon. Like we need some of that stuff around. But it's just this invitation to be simple and elemental, to, be, to get back down to the core of it, to, to forget all the, 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 the questions, the tensions and all of that. What is it really like to become part of God's kingdom, to really experience that? And so today, I want to look at a few of these parables describing what the kingdom's like as we start this, uh, this, uh, as we start this series. And so Matthew 13, if the kingdom of God is this, Jesus announcing to you that you can live life, a whole new way of life as a citizen of God's kingdom, and it's a reality that's within you now, today, that can be experienced, that heaven can be experienced today, although not fully realized, but, but accessible, Jesus is going to teach us what it's like. It says this in Matthew 13, verse 31. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It, it grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. If you look at the mustard seed plant, if you go to this, this picture here, it's kind of this, this concept. There's like actually, in its branches, are, there's, a, there's a thatch or like a thicket that grows on the bottom of these. And so these are not huge, very like, uh, you know, huge trees. It becomes the largest because it, it can actually, it, they're, they're actually considered an invasive plant. And so you, you plant one, it's this tiny, tiny little seed, like a little bit bigger than maybe a grain of yeast. And then, but then within time, it spreads like rabbits, man. Like it, it just goes all over the place and it can, it can cover a mountainside in just a small amount of time. 
And he's saying, you know, the kingdom of God is kind of like that. Now, sometimes when we think organizationally, like American thinking, sometimes think we think manufacturing and we think sort of companies and small business and organization. We begin to think that this is like the kingdom of God, that, that there's going to be more Christians and that there's going to be more of a bigger, you know, a bigger realm of, of everything. But really, again, what is the kingdom of God? It's a reality that you experience that's within you and the results you can see. And so this, this concept is, is that when you are good cooperative soil and, and God as the gardener is able to engage this type of growth, this will grow quickly and fast and will actually get stronger and, sh- and, and, and cover massive amounts of parts of your life. So the invitation of this story is to be good cooperative soil. If the kingdom is planted in us, then we can see its results spread quickly. Are we tracking so far? The kingdom is like a mustard plant here. The kingdom is like, he continues in verse 33. He says the kingdom, uh, Jesus used this illustration, that the kingdom of heaven is like a ye- the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in, th- in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Again, look at this picture of the yeast here. I mean, these are just small, tiny little things. But, but maybe if you cooked a, you know, you know, some uh, cinnamon rolls or something like that, or maybe you're a bread maker of any sort, like you've used yeast, you see this happen. And, and yeast, you know, like when you put it in, what, what it does is actually an exchange that takes place. They t- they break the, yeast breaks down the complex sugars, right? And then exhales this, like the carbon dioxide that, that makes everything rise, right? How many knew that, right? Well, if you didn't know, now you know. Right? That's how yeast works right? It, it, there's this exchange that it breaks down the complex sugars and exhales something that makes everything else rise. There's something to this whole concept that when there's an exhaling of life, everything else rises. We might be onto something there. God is a God that breathes out life and the kingdom allows all things to rise together. It, when you th- yeast it, as it ferments, as, the bread fer- as that, all that ferments and breaks down, you know, it creates the crust and, and allows the smell to come out. There's, there's flavor and there's, 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 there's beautiful aroma of when yeast breaks down the inside of, a, of, of the dough and it, there's, it permeates every aspect of it. And so he was saying, he's saying that it's like, kind of like this concept where the kingdom starts, this little tiny grain creates an, a breathing out into your life where you become all that God created you to be and by it all things rise. The kingdom is like yeast. It's like this thing that grows and permeates every aspect of us. And then he continues, Matthew 13, goes down to just a few more verses in 44. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Now, if you're anything you know, like me when I'm reading the story, I get frustrated. It's kind of like when you're watching it in a movie and someone like, you know, like he finds this treasure and then he digs it again. You're like, no, take it, 
take it. Like, it's, it's yours. You're like, no, that's stealing, Brandon. Don't do that. Right? I get that. No, but, 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 but ask the question. Why does he have to leave the treasure so that he can buy the field? Here's the thing is many times when you hear this parable taught or maybe when you're thinking about it, you put yourself in the position of the man that finds the treasure. And so the, the whole concept is preached. is says, no, the, the kingdom is worth everything you have, right? And you have to go and you have to pursue it. If you have to pursue it, nothing else is, 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 is as important as the kingdom. You sell all that you have in order to make this, this, in order to gain what God has for you. But again, the kingdom is not a reality outside of you. It's a reality within you. And so the treasure is like the kingdom. If the kingdom's like the treasure, and it's planted in who? Us. So who's the field? We are. Well, then who's the man? See, here's the thing. Jesus, he purchases you. Through his death and his resurrection. Jesus, he didn't see equality with God, something to be grasped. He gave everything that he had. I mean, if, he already, if it was us, we already have the treasure, that's it. But the man is Jesus. And he sells, every, he gives everything away. His whole equality with everything, equality with God, he gives his entire life and purchases the field, which is you. And it's with great joy that he does this. It's a beautiful image of what the kingdom of God is like. And it's through his death and resurrection, it's through his purchase of you that you can begin to experience the realities of the kingdom right now, here, today. Are we tracking so far? So we've got to ask the question, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is this, is this beautiful reality. It's, the heaven, it's heaven. It's the place where God is that we can experience here today. It's an announcement to you that you can live life according to the way God created you to live and planned for you to live before the foundations of the world. And the kingdom is this type of kingdom, is, it's, this, it's like a mustard tree, and it's a mustard plant, it's like yeast, and it permeates every part about us, growing. And so what God is trying to do desperately is wash off the broken image of God and restore you and repair you so that you can live life the way he wanted to, so you can live eternally for, with him and, and together in him forever, so that you can engage the story of Jesus fully and become a full participant in God's kingdom. That's a type of, the type of kingdom that we're going to see is it's this graceful one. It's a prayerful one. It's a practical one. We're going to be able to see the type of kingdom that we're invited into. But then really, how do we experience the kingdom and how do we keep it central to this entire, to our entire life? And, and really what we, what we do as a, what we, what we can use as a tool is something called the rule of life. And it's a rule of life is just a, 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 a connection or like a, 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 a set of disciplines that we can use to remind ourselves of the grace of God. Now here's sometimes, here's what we do. Here's what we do sometimes. Is we look at disciplines as a way to get God's attention. 
The announcement for you today is that there's nothing you can do. There's no amount of Bible reading that you can do. There's no amount of church attendance that you can do. There's nothing that you can do to make Jesus love you any more than he does right now. And with that truth, with that reality, we are free to experience his love through all sorts of different means. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to introduce different aspects that help us experience uh, the kingdom in all these different ways. There's four directions to God's kingdom as it grows in us and moves in us. And the, the, the first one is worship. Obviously, we want to worship God and give him glory for all he is. But, but it doesn't stop there. We don't just worship God together and then leave and then live a completely different life. And so it, it comes down into community and builds it, with, it within relationships that we have. And so there's like a tension that as we worship, there's, it makes its way out and grows within community. That's why in community groups and, and connecting with others and relationships, so important to, to, to growing in your, in your walk with the Lord. And then there's, there's rest because our identity isn't what we do, it's in who we are as sons and daughters of God. And so we rest and we engage uh, well with the Lord in this prayerful relationship so that we can see all that, that God does in us. But then that does not where it stays. There's actually mission, right? There's movement, there's forward engagement, that there's something happening through us as a result of God's kingdom working its way to the surface of our life. And so you see all four of these directions, you got to think of like tension between poles, all these things that keep us centered in the fact that God's grace is rested on us and that he's restoring the image of God that he created us with and that we can fully and become full participants of God's kingdom right here today, right here in the midst of your life now. Are we tracking so far? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to uh, begin to, to build out what some of these disciplines are so that we can keep centered on Christ and remind ourselves of all that he is and he's doing in our life. It's, it's not something that you have to gain his attention. You have his attention today. And so that we now can sit at rest in him and experience all that he has. So here's a few next steps for you as you begin this kingdom journey. First, this year, instead of creating do goals, I want you to create who goals. Instead of creating do goals, create who goals. So at the end of 2019, you look back and say, this is who God created me to be. This is who God shaped me to become as a result of me being with him, engaging him, and pursuing him in all aspects of my life as the kingdom permeates my entire being. This is who I became. So I want you to create who goals instead of do goals. Join a community group because this stuff makes its way out. It works its way to the surface in relationship. 95% of the, the word you in the New Testament, 95% of them are plural in nature, meaning most of the stuff the New Testament talks about isn't just directed at you personally, but as a community of people. Because the, because the New Testament works itself out and grow, the message of Jesus begins to work itself out in relationships with others, in relationship with God, and in relationship with the world. And then lastly, maybe take an assessment. Uh, do we have any assessment geeks here? Because my wife and I are like, we just like, sip coffee on a Saturday morning and take personality assessments. Not the, not the BuzzFeed kind, but like the regular one. And discuss with a mentor or counselor. There's, there's been massive movement that, that, that both Connie and I have made uh, in, in growth uh, simply by taking an assessment like this and discussing it with 
different seasons of counseling or different seasons of mentoring or pastoring. And there's a bunch here that you could, if you just take a picture of this or you can see it online, um, like the Enneagram, the Myers-Briggs, Kobe, all these different ones you can look up online and, and take so that you can begin to learn the wiring that, that God has created you with and the, the unique ways that you can experience God's kingdom working its way out in your life. And so the announcement to you today is this, that you can live life the way God created you to live, the way he planned and intended for you to live before the foundations of the world. And that announcement that, that, that you can experience the kingdom of heaven right here now. And the results of it will be a restored person, a restored people, restored places and structures around you. But the reward is not what you pray for. It's not what you dream for. It's not a perfect life. It's Jesus. The reward for the kingdom is the kingship and the lordship of Jesus, that he is Lord, he is creator, he is the one that is putting all things back together again, and we are invited to simply be participants in who he is. That's what we get. And so may you be like good soil so that plants can grow and fruit can spread. May you be like the bread where the yeast permeates all parts of you. And may you remember that you aren't the guy that bought the field, but that Jesus bought you with his death and his resurrection so that you could have new life today. Might you consider following Jesus today? Might you consider living a whole new way of life, the way that you were created to live, the way that you were intended to live? May you consider this as a result of hearing this announcement so that all things can change, amen?